Hi, this is Bill Crockett. Thanks for visiting our sermon audio webpage. If this is your first time here, I hope that you'll take the opportunity to browse through the many lessons that we have on our webpage and take advantage of those to help you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then I hope you'll also share our webpage with many of your family and friends. It gives us great joy to be able to teach the Bible. It is the passion of my heart. I believe that the scripture is powerful enough to change the human life. That's why we give so much emphasis to the practical expositional teaching of the Bible. We're able to provide these for free because Bill Crockett Ministries is a 501c3 organization, and we depend completely upon the gifts of God's people and our family and friends to take care of us financially. This is our full-time job, and I would like to encourage you to please pray about becoming a financial partner with Bill Crockett Ministries. You can find out more about Bill Crockett Ministries on our webpage at www.billcrockett.com. You can also give online right there on our webpage by going to the donate button and clicking. Or you can mail your gift to P.O. Box 3845, Irmo, that's I-R-M-O, South Carolina, 29063. By becoming a financial partner with Bill Crockett Ministries, you will enable us to continue to be able to provide practical Bible teaching so that people literally around the world can have their lives changed through the power of the Word of God. Thank you so much for visiting this particular message, and I trust that God will use it to change your life. Have a great day. Now, let's get to our lesson. But it's very important when we come to the topic today, which is the doctrine of the Trinity, that we understand the importance of the essence of God and the nature of God. Because all of those characteristics, whether it is His nature in being omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, immutable, unchanging, or it's His essence where He talks about His kindness, His mercy, His grace, and all of those things that make up God. When you come to the doctrine of the Trinity, though there are three persons, there is one God, and as you'll see in a minute, He is indivisible, and you cannot divide Him. So, it's not three separate gods. It's not three parts of God, all with different characteristics. It's one God, one set of characteristics, his nature, his essence, it's all the same, but manifested in three persons, but one God. All the same, but three persons, okay? In a minute, I'm going to show you something that hopefully will help to describe why that seems so uncomprehendable. And uh, just in case you didn't get it, it is. As human beings, we cannot fully comprehend what the Trinity really is. Because it's it's a God thing. It's out of our realm of complete comprehension and understanding. So, let's look at Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start with verse number 16. 
And uh, then I'm going to give you just a few things here real quick, and then we'll go to our breakouts. Matthew 28, 16, very familiar passage, the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Notice in verse number 19, he says that in your discipling process, I want you to baptize them. And I want you to baptize them in the name of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they are God. So we're going to talk about that. Let's pray. Father, in the next few minutes, help us to understand the awesome truth of what we would call your tri-unity. That you are one God in complete unity, but manifested to us in three persons. Father, help us not only to by faith believe it and understand it, and help us also, Father, to know why it is so important to us as Christians. Use your words, speak to our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to basically look at two things real quick. Number one, I'm going to give you some basic facts. These are some basic theological facts that we need to understand in order to understand, as best that we can, what the Trinity is and why it's important to us. So let me give you these four, three basic facts, and then I'm going to give you a definition. Fact number one, there is only one God. We talked about that when we talked about his essence, when we talked about his nature, and also we talked about it when we talked about the existence of God. Let me give you a verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 4 through 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 4 through 6. This is where Paul is explaining to the Corinthian church that we only worship one God. There is only one one God. So, polytheism, which is the worship of many gods, or whatever other offsprout of God is, Christianity and the Bible teaches there is but one God. So, when we talk about the Trinity, we're not talking about three different gods. We're still talking about just one God, because the Bible teaches there's only one. Number two, fact number two, God the only one God that exists, is undivided and indivisible in his nature. Okay, let me say it again. God is undivided and indivisible in his nature. Now, what does that mean? That means that God is not like us. God doesn't have different parts. We have different parts. We have a body. We have a soul. We have a spirit. We have, in essence, a material part and an immaterial part. We have a physical existence, and we have a spiritual part of us on the inside, our soul and our spirit. The Bible says that God is a spirit, and those that worship Him worship Him in spirit and truth. God doesn't have parts. 
So he is undivided. You don't divide God into parts. So the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not God divided into parts. Number two, God is indivisible, which means that his nature and his essence, who he is and what describes him, is the same throughout however he manifests himself. That never changes. So God the Father is the same God in his essence and nature and characteristics as God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. They're all, for example, omnipresent. They're all omnipotent. They're all gracious. They're all merciful. They're all faithful. They're all immutable. They don't change. They are all omniscient. They all know everything. So, God is only one God. He is undivided. So, the Trinity is not three parts, because you can't divide God. He is indivisible. You can't take His essence and put some of it over here and some of it over here and some of it over here. It's the same throughout. Okay? Fact number three. The doctrine of the Trinity is revealed to man through revelation, not natural theology. Okay? Let me say it again. The doctrine of the Trinity is revealed to man through revelation, not natural theology. This is why we cannot, in common sense, understand it. Let me explain something to you that is natural theology. The psalmist says, The heavens declare the glory of the Lord, the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night shows us that there is a God, basically. So when we look at creation and we look at all that is comprising humanity, common sense says there is a God. That's natural theology. That can be comprehended through common sense. That's why there is no such thing as a natural-born atheist. Everybody has in them the comprehension that there is a God. Atheism is a learned behavior. We saw that in Romans chapter 1. When you suppress the knowledge of God, you do not want to retain the knowledge of God, then the mind becomes what the Scripture calls reprobate, which blocks God out and says there is no God. Okay? That's the process. didn't come out of a psychology book. didn't come from some psychologist or psychiatrist. That came straight from the mouth of God in Romans chapter 1. That's how it happens. Okay? So that's natural theology. Things that you see that the normal human being would say, there's got to be a God. The Trinity, however, is not one of those doctrines about God that can be surmised that way. Because it does not make sense to common human rationale. That's why we need revelation. What is the revelation that teaches us that God is a literally a triunity, which, by the way, is where we get the word trinity. The word trinity is nowhere in the Bible. It's not listed in the Bible. We, it's, it's a word that we have in theology that literally is a transliteration of triunity. God is three persons but complete unity. So we call it trinity. Okay? The trinity we learn from the Bible. That's why we started our theology study with the doctrine of bibliology. The Bible. Because the Bible is what tells us everything. 
And there are some things that the only way we're ever going to be able to understand it is from the Bible. That's where we understand and believe by faith because we believe that the Bible is God's Word. It is perfect, that God gave it to us, and everything in it are the things He wants us to know. So we believe it by faith, even though we can't explain all of it. That's what the Trinity is. If you were to ask me, Bill, how do you know that God is a Trinity? How do you know that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all God, they're all one, they're in perfect unity, they're undivided, they're indivisible, but they're manifested in three persons. How do you know that? My only answer would be, because the Bible tells me. It's the only answer I can give you. Well, I don't understand that. Well, I don't either. But I believe it, because the Bible tells me so. Okay? Now, it becomes very important to you and I as believers when we understand this. It may not become totally clear today, but it will in the next several weeks as we get into the doctrine of man the doctrine of Christ, and the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And we will go deeper into, for example, why Jesus is fully God, why the Holy Spirit is fully God, and why did God choose to manifest himself to us in these three persons? Father, Jesus the Son, which, by the way, Jesus is God manifested to us in the flesh. The Holy Spirit is God living in us as our comforter. And we're going to get into more of that when we get into those three doctrines in the next month or so, okay? So those are three basic facts. There's one God. He's undivided, indivisible, and we know he is a trinity because the Bible teaches us that, not because of common sense, because you can't understand it, okay? So that's why we're never going to fully comprehend all of it. Now, let me give you a definition real quick, okay? Here's a definition of the trinity. God is one, comma, undivided and indivisible in his nature and essence. So God is one, comma, undivided and indivisible in his nature and essence and is manifested in three distinct persons who are all fully God in unity. Now that is a theological definition. Okay? I'm going to read it again. God is one, comma, undivided and indivisible in his nature and essence and is manifested in three distinct persons who are all fully God in unity. Now, point number two, the biblical teaching. How do I know that definition is true? So let me give you some of these. We won't be able to read all these verses, but I'm going to give them to you. So let me encourage you to write them down, and then you can read them later. Or you can go out to our sermon audio site, and I'll post this sheet that will have all the notes in it. Okay? Three things that we're going to approach today about the biblical teaching of the Trinity. Number one, the name for God tells me that God has three persons. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. Okay? The word in the Hebrew translated God in Genesis chapter 1 is the Hebrew word Elohim. E-L-O-H-I-M. 
That Hebrew word is used 2,596 times in the Old Testament to describe God. It is a plural noun, meaning not gods, but God in his three persons. The word created, the verb, in the beginning God created. If you know anything about grammar, and I don't, but if you do, you know that the nouns and the verbs have to agree, you know, um, for example, those of you that are grammarians, and Laney and I were talking about this the other day, <laughs> I'm not, um, but she was telling me, you know, there are some phrases that just get her, you know, like when you use a plural noun and a singular verb, or a plural verb with a singular noun. Now, I would do that for you and give you an example, but I'm the one that always messes them up, so it probably wouldn't work. But... In this verse, grammatically, we would be in big trouble because it is a plural noun with a singular verb, meaning God, plural in his persons, but singular in his essence and who he is, that oneness created singularly the heavens and the earth. So, the very name of God, used over 2,500 times, almost 2,600 times in the Old Testament, literally indicates God is a triunity, that he is plural, all right? Um, The second thing, there are four references that I'm going to give you, four incidents in the Bible that use God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all together in the same reference. And so indicating to us that all three of them are important and all three of them exist in the one act of God in whatever he's doing in these situations. So let me give you these four situations, but I'll go back and give you the verses. Number one, in the Great Commission. And by the way, that's what we read when we started today. In Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, in verse 19, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he said, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all there. They're all important. They all need to be a part of that. Incident number two, the baptism of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3, Verses 16 and 17. You remember when Jesus was baptized? A voice from heaven, God the Father, said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then the Spirit, as a dove, descended upon him. All three of them present and mentioned in the Scripture at that one event. They're all there. Okay. Number three, the promise of the Comforter. Uh, If you want to turn to John chapter 14 real quick, I'm going to read these verses to you. In John chapter 14, Jesus, by the way, chapter 14 starts with Jesus saying, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. This is also where um, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And, of course, John 14 and verse 6 Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's that passage. It's that conversation that is taking place. The apostles are worried. We're following you. We're all involved in this gospel thing now. And you're about to leave us here with all these people. And we're going to be all by ourselves. (coughs) Notice what Jesus told them 
in John 14, beginning in verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. That's why I said, Jesus is God manifested to us in the flesh. The Holy Spirit is God living in us as believers. Okay? So in this passage, Jesus is doing the talking. He said, I'm going to talk to the Father, and he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. So there's all three of them. Mentioned again, in the working of God in our lives. One more. And that is the work of God in our lives daily. And I'm going to give you four incidents. And I'll just give them to you real quick. Number one, in the use of spiritual gifts. Here's the verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all involved in the distribution and the working of the spiritual gifts in the lives of believers. Number two, in salvation. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the Bible talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all active in drawing us to salvation and the work that takes place. Number three, in the work of Christ, his atonement for our salvation. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. 1 Peter 3 and verse 18. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all active in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And they're all talked about in that passage in 1 Peter 3 and verse 18. And then finally, number four, in the prayer for the saints. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14, Paul basically is giving a benediction. And he's praying for these believers that they will have this of the Father, this from the Son, and this from the Holy Spirit. Meaning that in the prayer for the saints, that God will provide for them what they need. And what they need includes something from the Father, something from the Son, and something from the Holy Spirit. So, we know that there is a trinity. Because of all of these incidents and all these ways that God works in our lives every day, and in every one of them, all three persons of the Godhead are mentioned as being active in every one of those things. Now, finally, as we close, well, what does this teach us? Why is this important to us that we understand these three persons of the Godhead? First of all, it helps us to understand that there's only one God not three gods, there's only one God. And they're all working together doing the same thing. It's one God. Number two, if I don't believe that, then I start having trouble with believing that Jesus, the man who lived here and died for us, is God. If I don't believe in the triunity of God, then all of a sudden Jesus may just be a good man. Those that believe that Jesus is not God, they struggle with the doctrine of the Trinity. Number three, that all three are God. And that's important. When we start studying the doctrine of Christ and the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and what they do in our lives every day, if either one of them is not God, then we got problems. So the doctrine of the Trinity teaches me there's one God, 
that one God exists in three persons, and all three are God. And then it helps me answer four basic questions that every human being will have about God. Number one, who is he? Well, God the Father teaches me that he's a loving father and sovereign over everything. God the Son teaches me that he came in human form and showed me how I could live with his help and died and paid for my sins. And God the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and helps me every day to handle this terrible, terrible life that I've got to go through. Number two, it helps me to understand what God's like. A father, a son, the joy of the Spirit that works inside of me. Number three, it helps me to understand how God works. When all three of these, I believe, are truly God, if all three of them are truly God, then I look at what all three of them do tells me in panoramic view how God works in my life. How much He loves me. And then finally, the last thing is, it tells me how I can approach God. The Son and the Holy Spirit have mountains to do with me being able to approach God the Father. Without them, I cannot approach Him. And when we get into those two doctrines, I'll explain to you how they do that. So, the doctrine of the Trinity, there's really no way to fully explain so you and I can understand everything. But it's critical that we believe it. Because all three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, play vital roles in our lives as believers. And again, once we get into the doctrine of Jesus and the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, you're going to see that. And everything we talk about when we talk about Christology, the doctrine of Christ, or pneumatology, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit... Everything we talk about in those two studies, if either of them is not God, we cut that part out and throw it away because it doesn't mean anything. They have to be God for those two studies to even matter. So that's why this becomes foundational to everything else we're going to study. Okay? Father, thank you for teaching us that you are one God existing in three persons, that all three are so active in our lives. Father, help us this week to manifest your glory so that people will want to know the God that we know. In Jesus' name, amen.